A quick note from us before we jump into today's episode, if you're enjoying Thinking 30s, feel free to drop us a five-star rating on a podcast platform you're listening on. You can also stay up to date with the latest episodes via Instagram at Thinking 30s, or just give us a follow on Spotify or Apple Pod. Thinking 30s podcast, my name is Justin, and welcome back to another episode of Thinking 30s. This is a bi-weekly podcast where we have a unique guest on each time to share their perspective on their journey as we move closer and closer to the thriving age of 30. Each episode will focus on the guest's career choices, lifestyle, and philosophies that they deem are important in setting them up for the future. So if you're in your 20s and looking for a different perspective, or just curious to see what knowledge your peers can share with you, feel free to tune in and enjoy these conversations. In today's episode, I have a conversation with William Powell. He is part of the founding team at Calico AI, which is a Canadian-based startup focused on improving supply chain transparency for high-growth brands. In our conversation, we talk about his decision to join a pre-seed startup, the importance of finding mentors and surrounding yourself with strong colleagues, prioritizing family, and much, much more. William Powell, welcome to the show. Hey man, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. No worries, no worries. You're one of the very first guests on this uh, Thinking 30s podcast. I'm really grateful that you actually took the time to come on. I think there's a couple things I want to ask you, because for those who don't know, right? I've known you for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. And you were the first ones to really get me into cryptocurrency, (laughs) right? Back in 2017. Back when we were in college. Yeah. And we didn't know any better. Obviously, we didn't have a lot of money back then. Yeah. So we're not talking about making millions and millions. Right. But just on the record, how early were you? So I was actually maybe quite late to Bitcoin, but pretty early into Ethereum, I think maybe at $50 US into Ethereum. And one of the real reasons why I got into it was actually one of our high school friends. Uh, his name was Tiernan, if you remember him. What, when was this? It's like 20- This was in 2015 or 16. So around the first, second year of university, maybe like in the what? middle. Yeah, it was, it was quite early. And we met up and he actually introduced me to it. And I started just researching into it, looking into larger coins, more stable coins, because there weren't really any, I think, smaller coins back in the day where you've got like that. Yeah. Plethora of, you know, yeah, shit yeah, yeah. coins, just <laughs> I, like I Doge running around. Like Doge was starting in the day, but yeah, Ethereum was really one of those bigger ones. 2015? Yeah, yeah, in 2015 yeah. compared to Bitcoin. And yeah, to be honest, I haven't really dabbled too, too much in cryptocurrency right now. I think when we're, as we're recording this podcast, we're actually in a recession, so everything's, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, not growing. The, the market's definitely crashed, I'm Mar- aware. Yeah, exactly. So I think I'm currently really just focusing on my career and trying to, you know, figure that out before jumping back into the... Yep, digital but, world. But that's interesting because I remember like what you said, like in 2017, when you got me into cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. right? I remember distinctly you were like, because I, I was I was a big believer in all the altcoins and mm-hmm. I was reading all the white papers and you're the one who told me, hey man, these white papers don't mean anything. Anyone could have written them. Yeah, and that's true. I think uh, what I meant to that as well was probably take everything more with a grain of salt. Because at the end of the day, take, for example, Bitcoin. Um, and I'm no expert on this, but even the person, Satoshi Nakamura, who wrote that white paper, that's not even his real name. It could be some like little Russian girl, you know, writing this and just using a fake true. alias. And especially with the rise of so many other altcoins now, like, uh, you know, that recent Solana crash. Oh, yeah. And Luna. <laughs> exactly, Luna. So you just got to be careful with what you're reading. Don't trust yeah, concept. Yeah. I mean, I just got back into cryptocurrency recently, right? And the top 10 has really changed. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at the, the top 10 coins back in 2017 was compared to now, it's it's night and day. Yeah. So that's crazy. There's stuff like that where it's just going to be a lot of hype and mass majority of idiots colliding to <laughs> hype something up. But I, I know 
if you have enough hype behind something, I think people or people don't understand like true value will actually buy it. Yeah. So so us back in 2017, when we were buying into the hype and we were getting really hyped into buying all these <laughs> coins. But yeah. I think disclaimer, back then we didn't have a lot of money. No, we didn't. A little money making a little bit of money. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think it's funny because um, you're one of the earliest people I've known. Yeah, 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 space. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, I mean, someone I credit to probably in 2017 when a good friend of mine or ours, Oscar. Yeah. When you guys too into it. But okay, this is just something I wanted to know. Something how curious because how early were you actually mm-hmm, into mm-hmm. this space? So we can dive into the meat of this podcast. I want to touch upon like high school. So we knew each other from high school. Yeah. Going into university. Why, why, why Canada? What, what made you choose that? Why did you think it'll set you up? Yeah, so good question. I'm actually Canadian. So oh, I didn't know. I, I have a Canadian passport and I only strictly applied to Canadian. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, with the world conditions. Um, I strictly only applied to Canada just because I wanted to get out of Hong Kong and it's actually cheaper in Canada, from my knowledge, than applying to Hong Kong schools because of. Oh, this. really? Yeah, if you're a Canadian citizen, it's like significantly cheaper. Like international kids who pay Canadians high school fees, it's like triple. Or not high school, university fees, it's like triple. So. Right, right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Being in Hong Kong for like 18 years, I just wanted to get, you know, some larger sense of culture um and i think that's what a lot of us did or who were fortunate enough to leave hong kong also yeah, left yeah. just to get that world or world experience before coming back to New yeah. York. but what do you think of like canadian university culture versus mm-hmm. i guess i mean i guess you never study university here in hong kong yeah. but i guess we're quite well versed into just the culture but how, how would it would you say it's conducive for growth is it quite intense or could you quite like back so i think and this is just a personal opinion right of course if you were to go to university, the only reason you would actually go would be to network, meet new people and learn more cultures. I think the education part of it is globally accessible, meaning that to an international high school, like we went for both of us, is we could learn like British education as opposed to Hong Kong education. Right. So I think it's more about the culture building, the activities um, and the types of people you meet. But that's not to say that Canadian like economics is obviously different from Hong Kong. So in Hong Kong, they won't teach you about like Canadian economics, right? It's more tailored because what they do is they're trying to set you up to work within that country right, right. so you can grow their economy. And obviously those two systems are different. And what I did was I actually went in for uh, digital enterprise management in, uh, at my university, University of Toronto. Um, wait, explain that for, for the layman's. What, what, yeah. What is digital enterprise management? So it's more like using technology uh, or the management of technology in business. So learning about, you know, uh, PLM softwares, SAPs, uh, ERPs, so inventory management or like how people use at Deloitte use technology to consult people. Right, right. Um, using different types of project management strategies like waterfall, agile. And I know this is very abstract for like the average listener. Right, right, right. But it's average more, listener. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more so to do with, you know. I have a very cultural listener base. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now. But it's yeah, I keep going, yeah. More, more, more so to do with, I think, marrying just technology and management, like IT, that kind of stuff. Right, right. So you, you went to U of T, University of Toronto, studied mm-hmm. digital enterprise management. And I guess what you got out of it really was the people you meet instead of the education you receive. Yeah, that's just my, that's just my personal opinion. Okay, so so would you would you say Canada is a good place to... Because for, for, for what I think, right, university is this very formulative time, right? Right. You know, when we graduate high school, we think, you know, we're old, we know our stuff. But to me, like coming out of high school, I still felt like a kid. And like going into the first couple years of university, looking back, I really was not set on who I was. Mm-hmm. Not just like in a um, personality point of view, but just even in a career point of view, right? And it's only like when I hit the third year, fourth year university, when I really started coming to my own and really to know and understand what I want to do. Right. So, so I guess the question is, um, what do you think Canada plays into the role of like developing these young adults? 
going into the workforce? I think a lot of the people I know and developing people into the workforce is a lot of them actually go into corporate or government jobs just because it's a safer option and Canada is a very subsidized country as well. Okay, okay. That being said, there are also a lot of, I think, good opportunities for self-startups and like funding for, for different programs, which right, is amazing. Right. But it's kind of hard, I think, networking and also meeting people sometimes just because it's such a big place compared to Hong Kong. Um, right, so the right. community building is like, in my opinion, pretty hard. That's why I didn't make so many friends in uni and out of uni right. until I was really working uh, for Canadian companies or like getting up there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very. I mean, thanks for sharing. Okay. Let's let's uh, let's move on. We're moving along the timeline. So we got young William, mm-hmm. graduated high school, going through digital enterprise management in U of T, not yep. making many friends in between, <laughs> right? <laughs> Enjoying his university, and then you're at the point. You're in your final year. You're looking for jobs, right? Right. And I know you went to DHL, right? Because I looked at your LinkedIn. Right. But, yeah. But what made you choose that jump to logistics? Because we're in the same industry. Because I'm in logistics as well. Yeah. So this is a funny story I can actually tell. So a lot of people don't know this, but I actually got offered an internship at Tesla oh. in California, um, Palo Alto. Really? Working and for Elon himself. Working for Elon himself. And it was for a global supply chain manager internship. And okay. I, it was, and I can probably speak on this. It was like a, a long, a lot of interviews, it was like three interviews and they were like an hour each brain questions, brain teasers. And I actually went through all of them, passed all of them and got offered the contract. They read me all my statements, whatever. But when I was applying for my visa, it actually got declined, went oh, out oh, to the US. But you're Canadian. I thought yeah. they were nice to Canadians. Exactly. So it was something to do with the B2 or something. I can't remember. It was a long time ago, but it was because I was still a student at the time. And when you're applying for a student visa, it's a different work visa. Okay. And I just didn't make the cutoff and it was a whole debacle. And they were like, yeah, dude, we got to find somebody who to like fill this internship position now. We can't wait two, three months because that's the processing time. Right, right. And they were like, I was like... Life of international students. Yeah, I was like, guys, come on. I spent so much time on this. And they were like, we can't. And that's fine. Right. It was corporate jobs because what actually ended up happening was COVID hit like three months later. So what would have happened actually is if I was in the US, I would have been stuck right, right. for like six months and then like have to figure that nightmare out. So what happened was that's then I just started applying to different jobs. And then like I just applied to a small sales row at DHL. Okay. And then just worked my way up from there. Okay. So I'm very well versed in the mm-hmm. difficulties of international students getting visas. I, I know for a fact that US is ridiculously hard. Yeah. Like if we think back into how many of our high school friends actually managed to stay in the US that are not US citizens. Yep. You can count them on one hand, less than one hand, probably. Yep. Count them on like two fingers. <laughs> so I understand the plight, but I guess like I want to dive more into like DHL. Why DHL? And what role did you do in DHL when you first got there? Yeah. So when I got there, I was, yeah. it was a lead qualifier. It was basically a business development representative for sales. Um, just like funneling leads and just like handing them off to like account executives. Thoughts on it? It was rough, dude. It was like 70 to 100 cold calls a day. It was like you were a machine. They would just give you a list. And if you ran off that list, you would have to go find yourself some new people. But it was just literally just like dial, 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 dial. Because you were you were calling these uh, brick and mortar stores to see if they would. Yeah, brick and mortar stalls, mom and pop stores, like online e-com stores and just being like, hey. Uh, I work for DHL. Do you guys need like faster shipping, international shipping? That was basically the pitch. Right. And then you would have to give like 12, a minimum of 12 qualified leads a day. And dude, I hated that job. So I busted my ass for, I think it was like less than a month, like a month. And then I just got promoted really quickly to account executive, which was easier. It was at still at DHL, but it was more like closing and like 
more money, but it was still hard. Uh, and I didn't stay too long at DHL, maybe like a year and a half. But the only real reason why I actually applied there was because, you know, when you're first starting, a, you gotta start somewhere, you know, your first job, you want to join like a really big international company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, get like hyped up. And then when you're applying to different uh, other jobs, it's easier because they're like, oh, I know that company. Right, right. Name brand. Name name dropping. Like, oh, like these are what you could. The thing with corporate is they actually outline, you know, your, your metrics, you know, what you're supposed to do, your KPIs. So yeah. it's easier when you're actually interviewing for different companies like oh yeah this is what i did this is how what i did for this company and it's easier for to outline that kind of that, stuff that's 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 really interesting actually because this is something that i feel like i've learned within this year right because let's be honest like people rarely stay like not just for us but people rarely stay yep. in their current jobs for yep. more than two years yep. like it's it's a fact it's it's not like saying oh the company's bad but you know there's it's just easier to get better opportunities elsewhere when you plan and something i've learned is really just outlining what you've done and making them measurable, right? Which goes back to yep. the KPI. So you can show the next company, hey, I've done this, and they'll be like, well, have you done? And I've done it within this. Yeah. Like, this is the this is the metric I've done, and this is how much I've improved the performance by. I guess this is what, this is yeah. what you did in DHL. Yeah, exactly. So I think you're right about turnover. So not to shit talk the company or anything, but... I think the culture was actually really, really fun. It was really great in culture bonding. Yeah. But sometimes the, the KPIs and metrics, you know, especially at corporate companies, like they just didn't make sense to me. Maybe they made sense to like upper management and some other people. But to me, that's what I think really put me off, especially for corporate culture. And is why I actually decided to leave after a year and join, you know, a smaller scale company, a smaller startup. Right, right. But what, what would you say about like Canadian work culture, though? Like you've worked yeah in hong kong for a bit um, i guess we'll get to that later but what do you think about canadian work culture because for me like i've worked in hong kong for three years right and the hong kong work culture can be quite intense mm-hmm. right and everyone is grinding for good reason because hong kong is an expensive place to live for sure and it's very competitive what's the canadian work culture like i think it's maybe quite similar to hong kong just depending where you're working as well right and i know that hong kong hours are like usually 9 to 6 30 canadian hours are usually like 9 to 5 so quite close but our tax there man is like 40 percent of income right hong kong's like what 10 5 i mean probably close to five five to ten percent dude i'm getting robbed but at the same time it's like you get a lot of benefits right right uh, you get a lot of benefits from insurance healthcare is free so work culture wise it might be quite similar to hong kong i know there's like more social activities and more like outings more like traveling okay um whereas hong kong you know you're just working in an office you know you just come in day out just get your job your stuff done personally i think canadian work culture is more like reinforcing and they're really training they really try to grow you as a individual right, to perform right. better at that company as well so it's a lot of investment into the person and maybe i don't know if i can say the same about hong kong i haven't worked long enough here yet right makes sense I, i've always thought canadian very relaxed canadian work culture am i am i over generalizing i think personally canadians are quite slow <laughs> compared to hong kong people might have, and, and, i might have to edit that out <laughs> and, and not not slow as in like mentally it's more just like the lifestyle is slow so i lived in um toronto for around five years and then i lived okay. in vancouver for one toronto is a very fast paced you know very new york wall street kind of place where oh, they yeah, just really like to get stuff done yeah okay. and then vancouver is more like you're retired you're more like chilling on the beach with um, all the asian families yeah with all the asian families it's super laid back scene and everything's just a bit slower there so it's kind of like the east coast versus west coast kind of vibe okay so toronto is really where if you're a budding <laughs> yeah young, yeah yeah it's young it, professional you want to be in toronto exactly and that's all where a lot of um i think startups 
are primarily and also where a lot of people actually move out from maybe like universities in vancouver to right right toronto afterwards after they graduate okay that's really interesting we're gonna move along the timeline again so you're at dhl mm-hmm. you're grinding it out 12 cold cold calls per per day 70 70 cold calls per day trying to hit your kpi yeah you get promoted exa- account executive now you're managing the accounts you no longer have to make the cold calls i'm guessing you're managing existing accounts yep right and then next opportunity is calico how did you get how did you find calico and what made you want to make the change yeah tell the story so that is your very simple story i just applied on linkedin man um <laughs> but the, the 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 main reason why i wanted to join calico yeah. was i wanted to contribute and have a more self-fulfilling growth in my career uh, rather than just be a statistic right. and actually be part of a team that you know innovates and contributes and my you know contributions actually have meaning so at the time i didn't actually know that i was going to be essentially employee number two employee um, number two employee number two and now we're i think we're a team of like 15 don't quote me on that but we've grown quite a bit and i joined during pre-seed and now we've just recently announced our seed round with uh, serena ventures serena williams's venture fund and we're just grinding it out trying to make the best and innovate at the start it was a lot of me handling different roles so i essentially came on for an account wait wait pull it pull it yeah. back pull it back what is what does Calico do for the viewers? Yeah, yeah, what, what of course. So Calico is an OS platform, an operating system platform uh, for brands, fashion jewelry brands to handle their supply chain processes. And essentially what it is, is almost like a PLM, so a product life management product uh, program and also an ERP, so an inventory system management. Okay. Um, but slightly through a different lens. So what I mean by this is uh, you'd be able to actually create um, your tech packs and what tech packs are, are actually um, your design tools to creating um, like a, a t-shirt, like what kind right. of fabric, all that information you need for your supplier, but also uh, managing the different types of raw materials in the pre-production process, which you need so that you're holding everything accountable. You're making sure nothing gets, you know, lost along the way. Okay. Um, and inclusive of that is actually being able to track the orders and also communicate with your suppliers. So this is where the supply chain part actually comes in because what we're finding with, I think, brands and also just supply chain in general, there's a lot of miscommunication between platforms and a lot of traditional right. types of technology like Excel, email, Google Drive is great, but it's not centralized enough and it's not responsive enough for different types of parties to hold each other accountable. Right. So my founder was actually had our own jewelry company actually found this problem and this is why she created just because you know we're living through this problem or she lived through this problem decided to try solve these problems because she knows other people are having it it's a real world problem yeah it is it's something i'm sure many people can relate if if you run your own company where you require Mm -hmm. your suppliers overseas and that requires actual physical transportation to your back to your home country. Yeah. The process of trying to manage multiple different platforms, trying to manage a supplier, trying to manage the person who's moving your goods. Yeah. So what you're trying to what you're saying is that your company is centralizing all of this onto one platform so that that specific company when they log on, they can see everything in one nice platform, one nice shiny platform. And don't exactly. have to go anywhere else and trust the information on it exactly like having a bird's eye view of your you know having your idea from drawing all the way to having it delivered to your doorstep um, right, right. the only thing we don't handle is just the logistical part that's like for people like Flexport to figure out just because that does get a bit messy um, and we're not large enough just to handle that right, scale exactly. of inventory and like 
transportation just yet. Right. So it's really a platform to let companies just have better visibility, better transparency. And exactly. Solve this issue. And it's a real problem. And it's still an issue that plagues everyone today. Yeah, exactly. Um, and especially, I think, with COVID, we saw a huge increase in the need for better supply chain. And there was that, I can't remember the exact name of that boat, but it was stuck in that river. Ever given? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's Suez Canal when it, when it went sideways. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, there's a real problem where communication, people weren't being able to communicate that part properly, weren't be able to like track delays, show delays, explain why right, right. products weren't being delivered on time. Um, and that's just one side of it, right? There could be in fashion as well, in jewelry, there's a lot of QC problems that do come into play and miscommunication that happen on the way. So, yeah. So... I don't want to go too off track, but I'm going to mm-hmm. ask a couple of questions. How does Calico manage the suppliers then, the factories for the for yeah. customers? So that's pretty interesting. So uh, we have two sides to the platform. It's bring your own suppliers, but we also have our, our own. So, you, you, you know, the brands can invite their suppliers through a link. It's completely free for the moment. And what they do is you just invite your suppliers and they get their own log onto the platform as well. Or if, you know, uh, you're looking for, you know, a new type of supplier, whether it's because you're unhappy with your current supplier you're looking for new opportunities into the market you know we have our own vetted roster of factories where with a click of a button brands can easily tap into and you get rfqs back to request for quotes and okay. you know can communicate with them through the platform okay right nice yeah. that 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 makes a lot of sense um what you said will i want to get into what you bring to calico what do mm-hmm. you think you bring to calico why did the founder i'm sorry can can you drop her name yeah kathleen why did kathleen choose you to become the second employee and um what gave you this opportunity because i'm sure a lot of people listening would want to know hey i'm in a large corporation i work in a large corporate job mid-20s mm-hmm. i have a few years of experience under the belt i'm looking to play a larger role i want to take control like you did of the decisions you make and actually visualize the outcomes i want to join a startup or i want to join a smaller company yeah i think what really resonated me with me as i was working through my corporate job was when you're in your 20s having to risk more and just learning and growing. So I didn't really come into, I think, a startup to make money, as weird as that sounds. But it's more so being able to wear multiple hats and also having the experience to, you know, grow the company and just taking on different roles and just learning from people who are better than you just because I think that's the most important thing and the most beneficial thing you can actually get when you're you're young. So what I initially did was I applied for a sales role, um, actually just as an account executive. But as we grew, or sorry, no, as as I was on in the early days, I did product, uh, a bit of marketing, a bit of QA, so quality assurance on the platform, some product stuff, if, if I didn't mention that already, sales primarily. And that really gave me a really good insight on the product branding and what okay. the vision for Calico was going forward. And now as we as our team have grown and we've hired like people who are a lot smarter than I am and better than the like give yourself some credit roles that I did. I'm actually back to primarily focusing on sales because I think when you're the startup that's kind of where your pipeline and top of funnel actually has to go to, you know, reach the next round of funding. Um so you know, we've got a great engineering team now, great head of operations, great product design team, great product team, and you know, they're doing a lot of hard work, but it's also our job as sales to, you know, receive feedback from the customers, push that into the back end, and then cycle that throughout. So it's a learning process. It's a lot of fun, to be honest. It can be quite strenuous at times because what's happening right now is since I've moved back to Hong Kong, I'm working Canadian hours. Crazy. And that's absolutely crazy. And that's a 12-hour difference. So I'm usually working from 9 p.m. to like 3, 4 a.m. It's, it's, it's tough, but I'm, I'm managing to do it. And it goes it gives some interesting conversations with the clients and customers I have because they're like, oh, what time is it for you there? And I'm like, and then they were like, yo, after this call, go to sleep. And I was like, okay, okay. 
but yeah and i have to whisper because i actually just moved back with my parents back to hong kong so right why, why did you move back to hong kong in the first place yeah i think it's because the pandemic actually gave me a lot of perspective into spending time with family and people you care about right so being away since i think 2019 and coming back 2022 now being away from parents i I was only supposed to come back for i think three weeks for holiday but fell in love again with the city and decided i have a remote job i'm fortunate enough to be able to do my job wherever in the world and spending time with family and friends right now is quite high on my list for importance just because i've seen what you know a global pandemic can do in terms of separating people yeah and distancing communication and that's you know what i value right now in, in my current stage in life that's very wholesome and i yeah. agree value your family guys value your family guys <laughs> you, you touch wood nothing happens but you know we're, we're approaching 30s i'm sure everyone who's listening you know our parents are getting older they're no longer the young bucks yeah young bucks that took us to school yeah or, or raised us um, i mean they're getting older mm-hmm. and, and we have to be there to support them i want to bring it back a little bit you touched upon the um wearing multiple hats right And I think that's really cool because I guess for people who worked in large corporations, you're often siloed into specific department or specific team focusing on that specific role you're doing. And it's very difficult to be given the opportunity to rotate. But like you said, when you join a startup, you touched upon product, you touched upon sales, you touched upon marketing. I'm guessing you touched upon account management, strategy. Yep. Right. You rotated the full. And would you say that's uh, something that... um, yeah, I think it's not honestly for everybody for a long-term experience, and I understand it. It's super, it's super draining. You get burnt out really fast um, if you're not prioritizing your projects correctly. But it's a really great way to learn what you want to do in the future, and also just to learn from people who are smarter than you. Just because I also had mentors, yeah, um, and they kind of just guided me like, oh, this is how you should be doing it the correct way. Yeah. But a lot of it is also just experimenting and also figuring stuff out yourself because if you think about it, nobody really knows what they're doing in life or oh like yeah, yeah. With work, everybody just creates stuff from the ground up. And I think that's really important, especially with the way our generation is going right now and not being a statistic, like I mentioned, and really trying to innovate and I think create an impact for society is like that corny is like that Jack Ma, Jack Ma. <laughs> Alibaba sounds. But uh, I, yeah, I think that I think that's a, a really, really important trait everybody should try. Find your mentors. Yeah, find your mentors, guys. Even if it's like shooting a DM on Twitter or like even LinkedIn being like, hey, saw your work, you know, great work. Love your work. Can I learn more from you? Because 90, like 95% of the time, people won't, you know, say no because there's nothing for them to actually lose, right? Shooting your shot, you have nothing to lose. You have everything to gain, you know, taking a risk. And that's the same thing with sales and like cold calling mentality. You're going to get like 69 no's, but if you get that one yes, you know, right. that one yes could, you know, change your entire trajectory for life, could set you up. So I'm 100% on board on that. I think it's super important. Mm-hmm. Be humble. Don't be afraid to ask. Like, let's be honest. You're never going to, we're never going to be the smartest people in the room, but we're going to, you can always be the hardworking. Yeah. Most hardworking. And if you find those small people and ask them for advice or the people with more experience, then you're just going to give yourself a boost instead of trying to figure it out on your own. Yeah. Oh, is that who, I don't know who said this, but it was like every shot you don't take, you miss. Was that like a footballer or something? I thought that was a dating term. Was that a dating term? I don't know. That was a dating term. Yeah. But apply that, (laughs) apply that to like everything in life. Okay. New topic. So we've explored everything up to now. We've seen you go from U of T to DHL, lead qualifier. You learned some great lessons, you know, about cold calling. And then we jumped to Calico where you're like founding team. And now you're back in Hong Kong. What's next? What's next is I'm just trying to enjoy my life. I think figure some stuff out internally, what I want to do, I think before I maybe hit 30 and what that future kind of does look like. Honestly, 
after the whole pandemic, it's it's, it's kind of just, I think, shifted my view of what I actually value. And I think really right now, what I value is just spending time with family and friends. Um, right. So career is taking a backseat or... Career is not taking a backseat. Never taking a backseat. It's never taking a backseat. It's more just like, I'm, I'm, I'm focused on work. I love my job right now. It's more so that I have more personal things to worry about just because like you said you know when you're growing as we're growing older actually you know your parents and your friends also grow older right, so right. spending time with that is more important at the end of the day okay but when you're getting older you're like wow there's so much more out there than what i currently know like i i don't know anything like when i came out of high school i was like dude i know so much about hong kong and i went to canada i was like i know nothing and then when i came out of the university of canada i was like dude i know so much about canada and now that i'm like out working i was like dude i don't know shit (laughs) (laughs) so it it is it's like that it's like that graph where where you start a new job you're like super hyped yeah yeah yeah. you realize you don't know anything then you start you know rebuilding your confidence and realize you're learning more and more exactly And and it kind of goes back to like learning from people who are older than you like more successful than you you know who've even had bad experiences it's still experiences nonetheless so any mistake you kind of make and this is going to sound like super corny but like it's not really a mistake it's more like a lesson at the end of the day right okay is there any like personal hobbies or personal growth tips you want to share in terms of just like things you do on the side that you think it would be pretty beneficial? Do we want to, you want to talk about or? Yeah. Since I've come back to Hong Kong, I've been trying to get more into like team sports and like just gymming and just like working out because I realized how important physical and mental like growth go hand in hand together. Yeah. And I get it. Like when you're working, you're just grinding out. Like you don't want to socialize. You don't want to go to the gym, but it's just like, dude. After work, I'm just so dead. I'm just like, I, I just know, want to stay I home. know. I want to play a couple you want to of play games, video, video games, yeah. relax, don't think about anything. Yeah, but it's like you just got to, you know, grow that part. And I think personal growth wise, just try everything once. It doesn't hurt to try anything. Worst case scenario, like it goes badly. And but you, you learn from that, right? You don't really right, know right. if you're not going to learn. A lot of it is more just so from like, I think our, our parents, especially in Asian culture, where it's like, oh, don't do this because it's bad for you. But how do you know it's bad for you unless you do it yourself? And I think that's a lot of mentality instilled in kids growing up in asia as opposed to canada where they're just like oh just just go to whatever you want um so work out kids and try more stuff work out try more stuff be more active in life i'm a pretty skinny dude but i'm trying to you know i mean we're both we're both we're we're, we're both pretty skinny dudes tall tall and lanky but we're trying to you know get big not 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 for anybody but if but for ourselves (laughs) yes yes exactly it's we're we're working out for ourselves that that's something that's the most important part Okay, last last thing I guess I want to touch upon. Any any ideas of starting a new business yourself? Yeah, so I want to do something. This is gonna be sound, sound super right. I want to do something related to food, like every other Hong Kong person. Like every other Hong Kong person. Instagram yeah, it's not, it's not even that. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm it's being, all good. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, I, I I get it, dude. Like Hong Kong people love doing Instagram stores and food oh, related yeah. stuff. I want to do that. I just don't know enough about food <laughs> in terms of the practical cooking aspect so i'm just you know looking into that right now um maybe i'll do like a tech startup when i'm smart enough or like rich enough to fund people pay people to like help me so out So startups on the cards you want to do something yeah i want to i want to be a business owner start my own thing but that's probably not going to be until later until you know i really gather the experience from what i'm learning right now you know that old saying about like, I guess it's not old, but something you see on LinkedIn, you know, but every entrepreneur go like, I failed 15 times before I started this. Like behind oh, this dude. facade is like actually like seven different failures. You know what that is? That's like hustle porn. Do you know what hustle porn is? It's no, like Gary V where it's like, hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> or it's 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 literally like Gary V videos, and then they're like, you know what, you can do it. You're still young. You're 40, dude. When I was 40, like I had I had nothing or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like you gotta grind, like grind hustle yeah. board. I hate that shit, dude. Like I get I it. It's it's motivational speaking, but sometimes it's like when you're on LinkedIn and you're on your social network, like it's too much. It's like the, the classic one is like I saw a homeless guy in the street, so I gave him ten thousand dollars. Yeah, it's like I, I transformed his life. I transformed his life, and it made me realize like life is more than about money or like whatever yeah, it is. dude and they'll go out their way like uh i remember this gary v video where he goes up to gary v where, where he goes up to like these garage sales in the u.s and then he's like oh how much how much do you think i can get this for how much do you think i can get this like pokemon card for and he literally just bargains them from like 10 bucks like two dollars and i'm like poor poor people they're just trying to make a living <laughs> trying to get rid of their like son stuff who went to college and this guy's he's like you know <laughs> this guy just comes I saved up like, eight bucks yeah he's like oh i saved eight bucks i'm gonna resell this on amazon and make another eight dollar profit while this while, while garaby's like sitting on like you know billions of dollars from his different venture funds from his media funds and these guys are just trying to make a living probably trying to pay off their mortgage they probably don't even care it's like dude just take it man yeah <laughs> and he's like they're like oh my god who is this guy what so, a weird so hustle porn so you don't like that no that's i think it's hilarious it's it's like it's like so memed right now but yeah i i, I hate that shit i mean when when i love it when i um when i change teams i'm definitely making a linkedin post hustle porn non-stop like, every day you know i'm so grateful for this company you know giving me the opportunity uh, and it's like don't give up yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not really much of a linkedin poster but i should start i've only made like one or two linkedin posts in my oh, life yeah? But, you know, like some of some people have like really inspirational ones where they're like, I started from nothing. My parents were from, you know, like uh, Hong Kong and like they didn't know how to speak English. I'm a first like generation. Streets, and I had no food. Yeah. yeah. And then I had to resell my food. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then they're, and then you're like, now I'm a Forbes 3030. And you're like, oh, shit. And it gets like 10,000 likes on LinkedIn even comments. And they're like congratulations so i don't know maybe, maybe i should start social media like, yeah but uh, you're not on instagram i'm not on instagram i'm not on snapchat i only have like facebook messenger business decision not to be on instagram more like a personal decision i think it's a waste of time it's very distracting it kind of gives you a false reality of what's real in terms of your presence on the internet and who your real friends are and right being quantified as a number because the real only reason is like let's be real you're not sh- sharing these photos to your friends you're you're for instagram at least you're really just sharing them to get clouded up to be like feel valid to feel like show, oh show people my life is so great it's so great right you know posting stories every day and i guess the reason why i quit was my true friends if i was really friends with people i cared about and who cared about me i would just dm them directly yeah exactly share photos there like and that's what i've been doing and honestly it's been great um i've been off instagram for like since the start of covid like three years now um that's crazy that's 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 really impressive it's it's hard it's hard during the first i think month because you're like oh i'm getting fomo i'm missing out from like knowing what my friends are up to but at the end of the day you realize who like the real people you care about i didn't know that that's really impressive that, yeah, that's the interesting part about it. You give like more of a that, perspective. That's, that, that's really impressive. I, I've heard about these like detoxes. Mm-hmm. I heard like two months off, but um, that's really impressive. I don't think I can. I love Instagram shorts. They're so funny. Yeah. So so like to be fair, and this is like me just admitting this. I was on TikTok for <laughs> for, for a good year. 
and I was making these like TikTok videos, but not like not like seriously, just like doing like the renegade or whatever, like the Tusi slide, whatever. It's so funny. I love shorts. But there, it's banned now in Hong Kong actually yeah, TikTok. Yeah, yeah. But when I was in Canada, still like I was on that shit for like two or three hours a day, and I hate to admit it, but it's just so funny. Dude, you just scroll one after the yeah, other. Yeah, you're sc- infinitely scrolling, and then you forget to eat. And it's <laughs> so funny. dude. That's exactly what I was doing before this podcast today. I was just like scrolling until you texted me saying like, "Hey, are we still meeting up?" And I was. Yeah. Um, oh no i was scrolling through instagram, instagram, shorts. instagram shorts no instagram yeah, shorts yeah. yeah that's that's how it is but yeah and uh, so social, I, I no social it. no social media no the big bad distraction bad distraction i i recommend everybody just try like detox it for like a month see how you feel if it's like too much and i get it for some people like it's work related right, i actually right. actually kind of messes with my work because it, help, it doesn't like allow me to find prospects easily but right yeah just open up a business account or whatever and just figure it out there from there but it's it's a really really good way in my opinion just to separate you from that illusion of everyone's having a fantastic life everybody's because at the end of the day you know everybody's just stuck at home reposting these images from their sofa with a photo that they took like before covid i feel attacked Hey man, if 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 you're one of those people, like, nah, no, I, you know, I no shame, but yeah. All right, I think that's a, that's a good uh, endpoint to the podcast. Just touching upon the social media stuff. Um, thanks, Will, for coming on the show. For sure. Thanks for having I, me. It's been really nice to actually learn more about what you've been doing. I didn't even know you weren't on Instagram. I think that's a that's a major revelation to me. Shows how much I searched you on Instagram. And yeah. of course, sharing with the viewers about your experiences in Canada, going through university there, going DHL, big corporation, Canadian work culture, Calico, of course, which is what you're part of right now. So thank you for coming on the show. No worries. Yeah, I had a great time. Thanks for inviting me on and hopefully I can come back on some other time. Yeah. Do you have any uh, shout outs, plugs you want to do? Not nah, everybody just, you know, say say hi to your parents, say you love your parents, uh, say hi to your friends, tell them you love them. All right, just, all right, we're going to cut it off there. And shout out to Nathan Chan in the club. All right. Yeah, yeah. Big big up Nathan in the club. Big up, big up.